Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. I got a message today for our church, for River of Life. But if you're joining us, if you're visiting with us, listening to this on our podcast, we want to thank you, first of all, for listening. We know this podcast is going all over the place. And uh, love to hear from you. If it's blessing you, continue to send uh, those comments in. Go to our website and just let us know how much this has blessed you. And uh, that would really be a blessing to me. So even though our message today is for River of Life and for what God is doing, I'm sure everyone is going to get something out of this message today because it's the Word of God. Acts chapter 1 is the ascension of Christ. And I must admit, I don't believe I've ever preached a message on the ascension of Christ. As I was researching this, this is one of the most um, least popular messages or events. There's even not even a holiday to celebrate this event. We have the birth of Christ. We have the ministry of Christ. We have all the miracles of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. They all have major emphasis and holidays, but there is nothing on the ascension of Christ. And it is one of the most important events in uh, Christianity. And so think about that today, and you're going to see why. And as we, we relate it to River of Life today, amen, are you there? If you're there, say amen. If you're still going, say wait on me. Hey, you're fast, booting them up. If we could turn the lights up just a little bit, if you can read. I'd love for us to be able to read together, so let's turn the lights up just for a minute. And uh, we can read Acts chapter 1. Jesus has done appeared in verse 3. He also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them. Everybody say, with them. How many know that Jesus is with us? Do you realize that when you're driving to work every day that Jesus is with you? Do you realize that when you're cutting your grass, when you're doing yard work, Jesus is with you? How many has learned that? And you connect with them and you stay connected and you talk with him. Some of my greatest revelations is when I'm cutting the grass or in the shower. Anyone else get those weird, you know, it's like almost bringing you all the way to my house and saying, this is where it happened. It's kind of an awkward thing. Anyway, it's, uh, it says, and verse 4, help me, Jesus, wait. Jesus said, he's with them. He commanded, that's important. Everybody say commanded. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait For the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. He's repeating himself again. How many know sometimes we need to hear something over and over again? He reminds them, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. He's wanting to build anticipation. It's important that you build anticipation and that we are in a spirit of expectation. It's so important that we don't lose that expectation and that anticipation hopefully you're believing and expecting God to do something great in your life even right now never lose that expectation God's not done with what he's done in your life never lose that therefore when they had come together they asked him just like human beings this is us Lord when are you going to restore the kingdom (laughs) talk about the end times Jesus and Jesus said it is not for you to know the times we talked about times last week or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses 
to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. Samaria is enemy territory. He says, I'm sending you into enemy territory and to the end of the earth. Even Belleville, Michigan in 2019. Verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. That's amazing. And while they looked steadily toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, and who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Amen? title of my message today for us at River of Life is this. The church has left the building. Tell somebody the title of this message. Say, the church has left the building. I don't think they paid attention. Tell the other one on the other side. In case you didn't get it, it's time for us to leave the building. Come on, somebody. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray it blesses our hearts, ministers to us. And encourage us to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give somebody a high five before you're seated today. Shake your hand, whatever you feel, fist pump, whatever. Amen. The church has left the building. Looking up at these pictures and what our awesome media team, Felicia, has done. And uh, which we're going to have to add to that team. And we've got others that are interested. We will, everything that we're doing here is going to have to be stretched in Jesus' name and added to uh, part of why I'm talking to this way today. But look at all the awesome things we've been able to do in the last couple of years, how good God has been to us since 2002. We have been here ministering in this community, and God has really used this church. And I just want us to, to stop. I was just listening to our worship today. You know, sometimes we can get used to stuff. And, uh, but you notice our worship team, how many times they have led us into worship every week, and they don't, without making a mistake even. I don't want to say that. I thought, man, I better not say that because watch second service. No, I'm just kidding. But they just, just emphasize the hours that goes into them practicing and being able to lead us. And no, they're not perfect. There is, they'll tell you there's a lot of mistakes we may not even catch. No, Lindsay's going, yeah, amen. But I'm just saying how good it is to be led into worship. We come here every, every week and just have a top-notch quality sound, musicians. And I'm just telling you, we are blessed. Do you realize we are blessed in Jesus' name? The church has left the building, so I must first digress a little bit and tell you about the statement that it may, you may be thinking in your mind. I've heard this statement before. The statement you've actually heard is the king has left the building. And so if I, if I can, talk about Elvis Presley for a moment. Uh, just, just please in, in, in indulge me for a moment because it actually goes with the message today. You think I could do it? Yes. Amen. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, the music we got going on today and these kids are listening to today just ain't the same old rock and roll, whatever. It's just different today, you know. They have music that is out and people are listening to it and I look at the top of the charts and it's good to see Lauren Daigle out there holding the scene, amen, as a Christian artist. But the music today that kids are listening to, we have different generations in this building and in this church and in our ministry and it's just different. You know, we have groups here that are from this generation. We have others that grew up listening to, uh, I don't know, maybe Rob Bass, you know, and the Beastie Boys and, and those of the 80s and, 
things like that, Vanilla Ice, okay, we got the, the music that was out. Every generation seems to have a sound, but if you go back to the original 60s and 70s, you had artists such as James Brown, <laughs> come on now, you had the Beatles, and you had the King, Elvis Presley. The thing is about them is in the statement the king has left the building actually comes from that era. Those bands were known for giving encores. And at the end of their show, they would leave the audience just in hung, you know, hungry for more. And they would stand sometimes for hours and yell, one more song. And they'd come back out and they would sing another song. James Brown would go down like this at the end of the show. And the lights would go down and then they would come. You guys remember that? And they put a, a cape on it and he'd go, hey, get back up. I mean, it was awesome, right? I mean, I was, that was a little bit before my time. But some of you know what I'm talking about. And it was an encore. It was like, give us more. One more song. Well, the statement was from Elvis Presley is when this 17-year-old, tall, skinny, southern boy stepped into the music studio, he is undeniably the most cultural icon that has ever lived. He really has. Still to this day, I had to look this up, half a million people travel, travel to Tennessee to Graceland. Even in our generation to this day. He's so iconic because he had a natural ability, grew up in the church by the way, to be able to unite different ethnicities. They said he was a black man in a white man's body. He seemed to have a little bit of soul and a rhythm for a southern white boy. And, and so audiences enduring the tension of segregation... They were coming, finding themselves uh, all surrounding by radios and music, listening to this Elvis Presley. And so they would gather into these arenas to hear him sing. And, and at the end of his shows, they would always stand and, and they would, you know, yell one more song. But what they did not know is that Elvis never did encores. And so they would stand out there sometimes for hours yelling. And a public announcer would have to actually come into the auditorium and say, Ladies and gentlemen, the king has left the building. In other words, you don't have to stay here, but you got to get up out of here. Amen. You got to go home. You got to get up out of here. And I couldn't help but to think as I was reading about the ascension of Christ, the, the glaring parallels that the audience of Elvis Presley seemed to coordinate with some of the mentality that's in the modern church. As sometimes we find ourselves as spectators in the body of Christ, we are here in the text like the disciples when Jesus was taken up. They're stuck looking up, looking and saying, just one more miracle. And sometimes we look and we stand and we say, Jesus, I'm waiting on you to do something. Please come and fix my situation. And God has to remind us and say, hey, Jesus, don't do encores. In fact, I have empowered you because you are the church. Not this building, not this property, but you are the church. You understand today. And so just like the angels had to say, hey, boys, quit looking up for another miracle to come because God has now empowered you. And I want you to write these words down. The first one is empowered. The ascension has to do with empowered because as Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit descended. And as the uh, crowds had to leave and to go and to face the world, simply so, so does the church. We have got to come to the place where we are saying, hey, we know Jesus is going to return. He still does miracles today, but he has empowered us to now be the church. That's what this whole text is all about. 
He said, you shall receive power from on high for you to go into all the world and to be the church, to preach the gospel. Jesus said, in my name, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In my name, you shall drive out devils. In my name, you will carry the church. So instead of looking up to heaven and saying, hey, when are you going to do another miracle? When are you going to fix my family? When are you going to do this? Jesus is saying, I've already been there once. I've empowered you. It's time for you now to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel. Because I must remind you that Jesus is the greatest king there ever was. Come on, somebody. And you know what is so awesome about Jesus being the king? Even if we don't, you know, praise him as king, he is still the king. Even if, you know, people are, are, are um, divided over who's the musical king of rock and roll, and it may be to the end of the time, but it is undisputed that Jesus is the king of kings, as I got to thinking about this. Jesus is king whether we worship him or not. He's already king. Do you realize he is king no matter what? It's all about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus, and it always will be about Jesus. Amen? But he has empowered us. So we can't just, you know, continue to just look up into heavens and wait, you know, for something to drop out of heaven. I want us to see today that the ascension, the ascension of Christ is really when God begin to say, hey, things are going to begin to change. And I'm now empowering you to be the church. The reason why we, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And everyone needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you shall receive power from on high. Notice he commanded them. He said, I command you to go into the upper room and to wait for the promise of the Father. And then he commanded us to go and wait. And then he empowered us to arise and shine. He has empowered us to, to move on. Looking at, at this church building in this situation, you know what? This opportunity has come open. But you know what? God has empowered us to make this move. He, has empower, he will empower us to make it through. He, will, he has opened the door for this to happen. And so he will empower us to move forward. You tell someone, say, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit. No matter what you're going through, you need to get that deep down into your soul. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Whatever you're facing at work, whatever you're facing in life, you are empowered to make it through. That's what this whole ascension was all about. Not everybody was excited about the ascension of Christ. In fact, for this to be such a major event, as I said, there's no holiday for it, no time of celebration. Only Luke wrote about it. Matthew skipped right over it and just talked about the Great Commission. Mark gives us two little scriptures, or nothing, he's silent. Luke gives us two little scriptures, and Luke wrote about it here in Acts. He gave, he gave us the, the whole story. It's one of the most major events of Jesus' life and his earthly ministry. Just take, imagine just talking to Jesus and he just ascended right into heaven. I was just picturing this the other day. That, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? He's just talking and he goes up and some kind of a cloud just engulfs him. And they're just like, that's exactly what happened. And I love it what he said. He said, hey, this same Jesus is going to return the same as he left. And he's going to come right at Mount of Olives. I was over there in Israel. We saw the Mount of Olives. We were there. And that's exactly where this event took place. 
And your Bible says that one day this event is still yet to happen. It's the greatest event for the church and for all humanity. When the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the air. So shall we ever be. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Now give him some praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Memorize that. I've memorized that. That's still our blessed hope. We call it our blessed hope. That's the return of Christ. But why is so many writers silent about the ascension? I believe it's because this. They were not very happy that Jesus was leaving them again. Think about it. We, we read the Bible from having read the entire Bible. But you need to realize when these events was taking place, they had no idea they were writing the Bible. They had no idea that in 2019 that the world would continue to be here, number one, seriously. And they did not, did not understand that the every day-to-day -day events that they were doing were being recorded by Luke and all of the scribes that were there and were writing them down into a book that we know today as the Bible. So sometimes we look at Peter, we look at how fickle they were in their faith at times, and we kind of can be critical of them, but you need to realize at the moment, they were, they're just human beings, people. And they finally get Jesus back after seeing him die on the cross. You imagine this. He finally appears to them for 40 days. And he's saying, hey, I'm here just like I said I was never going to leave you. Just like I told you death couldn't hold me. Look at my hands. Look at my side. Look what they've done to me. And they're all excited. And one scripture says, for they could not believe for the joy that overwhelmed them. They were so excited they could not believe their eyes. And then now Jesus is leaving from them. What is worse than not getting what you've been waiting for is to finally get it and it be taken away. Just to kind of give you the context here of what's happening. So they're not very excited about it, about this whole ascension of, of Jesus Christ. And as I got thinking about the church is leaving the building and how our building is here and we've been here, I got to thinking about this and I said you know now we are all in unison by the way uh, at our membership vote if you were not here it was an amazing miracle that took place we have well over a hundred members that are in our church but on that membership meeting we had 90 exactly 90 that were that were in town and here for that vote and the vote to move over there was unanimous 90 yes and zero for no come on give God praise for that it's huge it's huge our bank said, Pastor Eddie, uh, God truly is among you because pastors can't get people to agree that the sun is shining. That's exactly what he said. He said, it's amazing what God is. And he's been tracking our numbers and our finances since 2015, and he's just rejoicing with us and what God is doing. God is just doing something special in these last days. Uh, we had our, our, our insurance guy over at the new building just, uh, I forget, what day is today? <laughs> One day this week, he was over there, and he said, he said, let me just tell you, he said, I, I insure, we insure, he himself does 400 churches in this area in southeast Michigan, and he goes, I must tell you, the Assemblies of God is just moving forward like crazy, and he just was bragging, he goes, what are you guys doing? <laughs> he said, what are you guys doing? That, that is where I said, I couldn't answer, I just, everyone, some people say, what are you doing? Just preaching the Bible. <laughs> Worshiping God. <laughs> we just we just have and you know, and, and the thing is is that churches and God gives success 
not by just these big elaborate things we do, but by small steps of faithfulness. Small steps of faithfulness. Staying with it. Reading your Bible. Believe in God. You got something going on in your family? Keep reading the Bible. Believe in God. Worship in God. I need a breakthrough in my life. Keep reading the Bible. Praising God and worshiping God. You just stay. Get that pattern. Remember that pattern. You will get that pattern down and just continue to raise God. Oh, what about my kids? I want my kids to grow and to be out and to be great men and women of God. They will if you keep reading your Bible, coming to church, worshiping God. You just keep it going. Even if they stray or even if they doubt, struggle themselves, if you will stay reading your Bible, worshiping God, coming to church, just keep going after God. He takes care of our needs and those things happen right in front of us but I said you know in case there are some doubts here maybe there are some here that weren't at the meeting and you said well if I was at the meeting I wouldn't have voted I want to say this because there are going to be some some you know doubts there's going to be some not smooth sailing and that's why they didn't write about the ascension because you need to write this down because they also realized when Jesus was going up that they were entering a season of transition can I talk about transition? I'm going to talk about transition here for a while in the upcoming weeks. And we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah just to let you know what's happening. Already got a series and everything going together. But uh, transition. Transition. How many know transition is a part of life? How many know that it's just a part? If you're living, you're changing. Your life is going. As soon as you get comfortable being single. Soon as you like the way you live your life, the way you got it, you got your time, your routine down. It's all about you know your thing, and you, you're going to get into. Then you get into relationship. You're all happy, but guess what? Transition. As soon as you get in that relationship, you fall in love, you get married, and God blesses you with a kid. Transition. Then you get comfortable having just one kid. I mean, that brings out all kinds of things in your marriage and in your individualities when you have kids. As soon as you get that nailed down, and you go, okay, we got this. It ain't so bad. By the way, number one child, the first kid is always the best kid. I'm just saying, it's to trick you to have more. Don't go for it all the time. And if you had a tough kid at number one, oh, look out, baby. Do not pro. No, I'm just saying. It's just a joke. Have as many kids as you want, and God gives you and blesses you with. But first kids are always quiet. And it's like, but as soon as you think you got this, guess what? I'm pregnant. Number two comes. Number Transitions are part of life. Let me get into this. And I want us to transition well into this new building, into the things that we got to do. Because they were stuck in the transition. Did you see that scripture? They were stuck, and they were looking intently as Jesus went up. Angels had to come and say, hey, boys, it's, he's, he's gone. It's time for you to go. Because why? Because you can get stuck in transition. And the only time we get stuck in transition is when we refuse to keep moving forward. Hear me. You've got to remember that God always wants us to move forward. He's always a God that is changing. He's always a God that is, that is moving forward. And we've been through some transitions as a church. We've been through several. Some very much so in the last few years. I remember when we went to two services praying about it. Steve and I were talking, you know, the church would fill and we kind of seen the accordion effect because once you get 80% filled in your parking lot or your sanctuary, they say go to two services. And I remember we were praying about it. We saw it. It was in our hearts, but we were like, you know, and I remember meeting with one of our pastors who's got three services. And I was like, you know, I just, I just want to do it, but I'm just afraid. And he goes, stop. What did you just say? And I said, I'm just kind of afraid. He said, that's your problem. 
He said, you're either going to hold on to your fear or you're going to trust God. And I went, well, well, you know, I don't know what we're going to do. He says, you're either going to hold on to your fear or, tr or trust God. I remember we talked about it and we said, okay, we're going to do it. 2017, we launched two services on that Easter Sunday. And uh, we haven't looked back. Look at our, We can probably go to, if we continue here, I'm believing for even a third service. <laughs> I'll come back to that in just a moment. Why, why do sometimes we get stuck in transition? Let me, let me just write this down. Number one, because we don't like change. We're human beings, and, and by habit and by our nature, we don't like change. You ever notice you never crave different food? Some of you have eaten the same food for your whole life. You like the same food, the same kind of food, and you just, you never crave, oh, I want to try that food from the other side of the world. I mean, we never, we never crave being different. You, it's not in your DNA to crave new things or new, new styles even. Some of you, you, you buy the same kind of outfit, you may get brand new clothes, and I go, wow. You may say, look at my new outfit, and I go, oh, wow, just a different color. Some people get stuck. They get stuck in fashion. Speaking of Elvis, true story. A few years ago, I was on Woodward filling up my truck at work, and, and I heard a Elvis song blaring on the radio. I turned around. Here come a pink Cadillac convert, convertible, sweet ride. In it was Elvis Presley. Dude gets out. He gets out. He From head to toe, it was the king. Oh, look at the king. He even said, excuse me, young man. As he... As he walked into the thing, I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy thinks it's 1970. He thinks he's the king. And I'm thinking, is this the Woodward Cruise going on right now? I'm, I'm sitting there pumping my gas going, well, no, no, that individual, bless his heart, he got kind of stuck. You can get stuck in the transition. Come on, help me. You can get stuck in the transition. God is always the God of moving and changing. it. And if a church is alive, let me help you today, we're going to change. You can't help it. Your, your body will change. Your, your family dynamics will change. It's a part of life. The only thing that does not change ever is something that is dead. I got a deer head in my garage. Six point. You know, I know it's gross, but hey, if God made us to dominate the earth. Amen. No, I'm just saying. I shot that deer in 2002. It was a miraculous shot. Anyway, I got him stuffed. But you know what? He hasn't changed at all. He's still in the garage. Mom, Melinda wouldn't let me put it in the dining room. I had it in the dining room the first week. She was like, that's got to go. <laughs> We're eating dinner, and it's going, what's up? <laughs> it's just crazy. So uh, it's in the garage, but I still got it in Jesus' name. So I won. Anyway, it's, uh, that thing never changed. I can go on and on. Let me just tell you this. Anything that's living is going to change, guys. And our church is changing because it's God's church. And it's living, and God is bringing new people. He will continue to bring new people, new ideas. The moment we quit changing is the moment we start dying. We lose our momentum. We become a monument. Listen, these are books that I read and things I go to and conferences I go to. They're constantly saying, and they, the pattern is the book of Acts. And the pattern is actually in the Old Testament. Look what God said in 2 Samuel to King David. David wanted to make him a building, a house. And God said, I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought you out of it, Egypt. Even to this day, watch God, but I have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. 
God is, oh, he said, when he come out of Egypt, they wanted to build a little temple right there in the middle of the wilderness and say, this is where God is at the mount. God said, no, 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 I don't dwell in one place. I'm a God on the move. I want you to put me in a tent. And not even put me in a tent. By the way, he said to David, the heavens cannot even contain me. So what are you going to build that I can fit in? He said, I'll give you a little box. We'll call it the Ark of the Covenant, which now we know was, was symbolic to Jesus Christ, made out of wood, represents man, covered in gold, represents deity. And then it was the mercy seat, which Jesus now gave us. We learned that on Easter. Well, that was a Bible seminary at the tabernacle in five seconds. But God said, I'm going to be in the tent. I want you to, as soon as you get comfortable, as soon as the women build the gardens and you get all happy and the kids meet some new friends because you've got over a million Jews coming out of Egypt. To picture that. And you hang laundry lines up, and you finally got, this is my little spot. And I can see some men out there. This is my location right here. And putting little rocks. You know. And as soon as they get comfortable marking their territory, in your Bible it says, the presence of God, which was by a pillar of fire by day, and a pillar, or by night, and the light by day, a cloud, he, God would say, nope, it's time to move. God purposely is doing that because he's saying, don't get comfortable in one location and just and get, and get mindful of just only put God into a box. God is always moving. If God is always moving and we're moving with God, then guess what? We're going to always be moving. I don't mean go hurt, hop in churches all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that your life, you should be growing and moving and things happen. So we get, we get stuck sometimes because we don't like change. We also get stuck sometimes because of our success. The greatest enemy of our future success is our current success. Seriously. Because sometimes we think, oh, Pastor Eddie, we've grown big enough. Oh, Eddie, Pastor Eddie, we, we've done good. I don't want to meet no more new people. That's human nature, isn't it? i got enough friends. Listen, it's never going to be enough for God. it would be enough for you and me. Jensen Franklin said this. He said, he asked God, he said, God, I never expected my church to get this big. He said, how big did you expect my church to get? Sometimes we think, you know, we just like it like this, you know, and, and I get it, man. It's, it's, it's a different dynamic when we're when 50 people. We can have a chicken dinner after every service, you know, and, 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 and hang out. And I understand there's always going to be a community element with the body of Christ. It was that way in Acts chapter 1 in the early church. It will always be that way. We're always going to have friends. But I tell you what, it is not about this little thing about community only. It's not just about seeing pictures of our grandkids. That's wonderful. I want to see them. Praise God. But what it's about is impacting eternity. It's about getting your loved ones in this place, worshiping God, saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and on their way to heaven. That's what it's all about. You can never, we can never, it's going to never be enough. It's never going to be enough until we get all Southeast Michigan, to everybody God has given us in this community. It's never going to be enough, so we've got to continue to do that. Sometimes we think it's just good enough, and it's not. Let me talk about tension, because tension is always a part of transition. Tension comes with transition. As the early church grew, I want you to see they went from 12 to 120. They went from 120 to 3,000 in one day. The next chapter says they went from 120 to 3,000 in one day. And look what happened in Acts chapter 6. It says, now in, the, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there rose a complaint. <laughs> you got to laugh at that. That's hilarious. The Bible is funny. I'm telling you, it's got some funny things in it. As soon as they begin to grow, there arose a complaint. 
And the complaint was that the Hebrews was by the Hellenists. The Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews who grew up in the Greek-Roman world, and they had the Roman culture on them, and they came into the church. They dressed like Rome, they talked like Rome, they acted like Rome. And then you had the traditional Jews that followed Judaism. And now they're coming into the New Covenant, and they don't know what to do. So we got an entire book called Romans that Paul takes. And the framework of that whole book is to try to get people that are so different to come together and to be united in one purpose. Man, you're learning a lot today. He gave you a whole brief commentary on the book of Romans. But the Hellenists begin to say that our wives were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. So they had some sort, some sort of feeding program. And it is not desirable. That we, and, and the apostles said, listen, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, seek out some men that are filled with good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, and we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Now, this is just important. Let me just say this. We are a working church. Our leadership here is a working church. We're always going to be involved, but I want you to see something. It's not that leadership is better than people. When I, I used to read this about that, I totally got it because I'm a pastor's kid. But some may not have grown up into the church, and you may think that, wow, you know, especially as the church grows, I don't see a whole lot of pastor. He's not seeing the pictures of my grandkids. He even forgot and called my one son by the last son's name. Well, listen, I can't remember everything. Okay. But here's a big part of it. As we do grow, some of the change in the dynamics will be, the dynamics are going to be, number one, i got to spend time in the presence. Our leadership has got to spend time in the presence of God and the word and the prayer. Not that we're not going to be here. Amen. Thank you, Steve. We, we get that, but I want you to see that's how, and our church is great with that. I'm still going to be painting. You're going to have to throw me off a ladder. <laughs> As we keep the presence of God first and foremost, Every ministry leader, listen, as we grow, you're going to have to continue to light, lead in a life group. We've got to continue to pray before the group, get prepared. It, it's a part of it when we make God's presence number one. All the wonderful things we're going to do in the building, that's going to be great. Having that cafe, the T-cell ministry, community ministry, we're going to have a gymnasium. The first thing the insurance guy said is, wow, you're going to have them coming from everywhere wanting to be in here and use this building. And, and he's telling me some other churches that have a setup like that, what they were able to do to the, to the community. I said, I know that's wonderful. It's going to be busy. He says, you're going to be a busy man. I said, I'm not. I'm going to be busy, but I'm not going to be too busy not to continue to. My number one priority is to be a custodian of the presence of God at this church. And so, and look what happened. After they did that, the very, the, it says as a result of that, go to the next slide there. It says, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. As we dedicate ourselves to prayer, the things that are really important, prayer and preaching of the word of God, not only in leadership, but in your own personal life, you will then begin to see the results and the fruit of that show up and increase in every area of your life. Come on, give God some praise today. But you see the tension. The tension is there. And this is what I believe. I wrote this down. I believe the tension in transition, I believe the tension is God's way of keeping our attention in the transition. It took me a long time to get that, so please write it down. Make me feel better. In the transition, God allows tension so he can keep our attention. 
I really believe that. I believe God is saying, okay, they're in the middle of a transition, so i, I got to keep their attention on me because many want to quit and get stuck in transition. So I'm going to allow attention, attention to be in their life to keep their attention on me. And they worked through it. The leadership grew. They had new systems in place. They now have a deacon board. They now have uh, different leadership, different ministries are born. You know how many different ministries we're going to be able to do out of a building like that? And, and, and the impact the community conferences and really just spiritually and physically in every way, shape and size and form, we're going to be able to do so many different things. But we've, been, we've had some tension when we have grown and went into services. And oh, it's tension. Parking lot, everything. That foyer, you can't pack any more into that foyer sometimes. It's crazy. But you know what? I love it. God loves it. It's exciting. It's amazing what God is doing, isn't it? Let's never get tired of it. But it, it, it is t- t- tension can be empowering. You got tension in your marriage because you know now you've got children, or you've got whatever whatever stage I've given you earlier. You may have tension somewhere in your life. God can use the tension in your life for the good. I preached a whole message about this. Like the rubber band was designed and made for tension, and it's no good until it is stretched. God will use the tension in the transition to stretch us. He'll cause you to be stretched in your marriage, cause you to be stretched, to get rid of selfishness and self-centeredness and, and all these different things. That's why I know, that's why kids come in Jesus' name. All that's got to change, and, and it, it's a weight on us. I understand it's tension, but God does that to keep our attention on Him and to say, God, what do you want to use this for? What good can you use? this for and it's during the transition God always allows that tension to come to keep our attention on him they grew through it we will grow through it it's going to be a little bit of tension when we get over there we're going to have to share the building here that's some things that we're working on they want to be over here we already have the two services and so we're going to try to find a spot and we don't know how this is going to work yet so there's going to be a little bit of tension there when we're in our services and Every time we do something, you know, new, a church does something new, it's different. You know, you're going to have that. And I heard this one church, he said he made, uh, they had a check-in system. And the check-in system was big. He had so much pushback. One lady in the church saw the sticker and said, this is the mark of the beast, and wrote this big email and said, it's the mark of the beast. And he said, it's not the mark of the beast. It's for me to keep your kid, which, by the way, you can have them back at any time because they're driving my volunteers crazy. You know, anyway, he said, I just said, tension. But I mean, and, and wrote this big email to the church, how you're becoming worldly because you got a check-in system. What? You know what I'm saying? That's just an example. It's never happened here, thank God. You guys were all cheering for it when we got our check-in system. I'm saying it's just, it's just a part of the nature of the beast as we move forward. And as we get over there, there's going to be some tension. Some things are going to be different. And even the kids' ministries, until we get flowing over there, it's going to be that way. But it's temporary. Everybody say Temporary. It's temporary, and it may be, hopefully, longest will be like 10 weeks. So we got to be prepared for that. I don't know what exactly it's going to look like. We may, we might even have to move one of our services to a Saturday night, have a Saturday night and a Sunday morning early service. Oh, some of you are happy about that. I mean, I don't know, but I'm saying it's, it's not going to be just smooth sailing. There's going to be some of these things. We're going to experience some tension. We're going to experience a little bit of this. It's part of growing and new families being added. And God continued to raise us up because it's all about what God wants to do in this city, in this community anyway, in Jesus' name. Amen? Yeah, give God some praise for that. Let me finish. Last thing is the ascension also was a time of being entrusted. Here's that word again that God gave me in January. He had no idea that this would be 
this kind of a year. But he told me in the beginning of the year that he changed my whole perspective on ministry. He said, Eddie, that that ministry is not yours. You've been entrusted with it from me. The only thing you're going to be responsible for is the, the only thing that you are responsible for is you're, you're responsible for the gift that I've given you. And this ministry, when Jesus was leaving heaven, leaving for heaven, he said to them, I'm entrusting you with the church. Take care of it. Peter wrote about it and he says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You and I are. God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. You are the church, not the building. We are the church. We've been entrusted with the church. And last thing I'm going to say is this. We cannot love our methods more than the message. We cannot love the methods more than the message. Because methods change. They always change. The message never changes. In the Bible, methods change. The way they got forgiveness through the sacrificing of animals, all of the ceremonies, all those were methods. 870 Savage was a method. And I know it's sentimental to some of us. So I've been telling some of you, get some grass and put it in a bag. My kids grew, grew up here. Many were baptized in that tank, saved at this altar. Some of you met your significant other here. Because I told one family, because they did. And I said, but you know what? In the new building, your kids can meet their significant other. In the new building, your family can be baptized. In the new building, you might need to get saved again anyway. I saw some of you worship. I'm just saying. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tension. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's stand. We can't, let, we can't be more in love with our methods than the message. Methods change. But the message never changes. And the message is always going to be that Jesus is king. He is king of kings. He has left the building. It's time for us to follow him and to leave the building because we are the church. Jesus goes with us everywhere we go and, and by the Holy Spirit. He is with us. He is in us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Amen. Hallelujah. So a little nervous, changes are coming, I know, but I'm excited. So we're going to hit any speed bumps, Pastor Ready? Yep, yep. There'll be some things that God will use all of the tension for his good. He's in control of this whole thing. The timing of this whole thing couldn't be even more perfect. Right before we really went to that next level in building and really committed a ton of money into this thing. That's why God really shut down so many of our building ideas. I couldn't understand why we seem to be going to hit a roadblock. How many times have we done that? How many prints have we got Frank Hawk to make from RV volunteers for us? He's like, what's the new ideal now? We're like, we're trying to just get into a bigger building. I can't tell you how many blueprints I got in there, Frank. It's like God would get us going and then... Why? Because he has something better. And so That's the way it is in your life. Maybe you're trying something and God's like... I keep wanting to do it. Don't you know I've been doing this? He's going, wait, 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 wait. As I said last week, because he's got to time it. Because he can't handle it yet. Trust me. Trust me. It's going to happen. And when God opens a door, no man can stop it. <laughs> no man can open the door that God closes, and no man can stop a door when God opens it. 
I'm telling you that right now. When God opens up a door like he's opened it up, ain't a devil in hell can stop it. Ain't a devil in hell can stop you from going on with God. The only person that can get you out of the will of God is you. Satan cannot get you out of the will of God. He cannot pluck you out of his hand. That's what that scripture was about, was that Satan can't come in and just steal you right out into the world. But you can walk right out of it. And I believe we're choosing to stay in his hand. Amen. Amen. Come on, Father, I thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, for what you're doing at River of Life. I bless your holy name. Have your way. Continue in the days ahead and the weeks and the months ahead, Father. I pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Can we just, just lift our hands to the Lord? We're going to sing one more song. I love We do this every service. I'm going to open up the altars. If you want to come and pray, you may be in transition yourself. You need to come and pray. I'm going to call our altar teams up. If you need someone to pray with you because you're in a situation, maybe you're going to go see a doctor this week. Maybe you got something going on in your life. You might be in a transition. You want someone to pray with you. That's what these, uh, these teams are for. If you just want to come and pray, if we sing this last song and worship, and, and then let's do this. The altars are open. But come on, let us, let us pray together in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.